Chapter Thirteen of From Different Standpoints by Pansy and Fay Huntington. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Thirteen. Perry writes, May Fifteen. We are fairly under way. It is too soon to look for a result, but we have started out better than I could have hoped. Romaine, what a prince among men he is! He came up in response to my letter, and spent several days, helping us in organizing, etc., and now we are quite in working order. The workers are few in number, but perhaps others may come to the front in time. Eleanor does not fall in with our ideas as yet, but I am certain to interest her after a while. As the work goes on, she must see it in another light. The atmosphere of fashionable life, which she has breathed all her days, is not conducive to the development and growth of human sympathies. Una is an efficient helper, though I have thought that her interest grew out of a desire to gratify me, rather than from a longing to help others. At least so it seemed at first, but I think that she is becoming quite eager in her wish to help those boys of hers. They already begin to look up to her, and to quote her as authority. Only this morning one of them assured me that a certain thing was so and so, for Miss Taylor said so. My little lady will have need to be cautious as to the opinions she advances, if the boys are going to rest so implicitly on her word. The other evening I was coming out from the city by train. As we reached our station, Joe Stone boarded the train and bought two or three papers of a newsboy on the platform. I wondered a little, especially as he did not invest in the trashy papers that a boy of his class might very naturally be supposed to be interested in, but took one of the best of the New York dailies, and a first-class weekly of our own city. Some way Thomas had misunderstood me and failed to meet the train, so I walked home. Starting out, I said, well joe i am going your road a little way shall i have your company for answer joe stared at me but we walked along together and i remarked i think you are one of miss taylor's boys yes sir he replied with more emphasis than politeness do you have pretty good times in that class i tell you we do what are you doing with so many papers have you turned newsboy oh no some of these are for the boys i only keeps one you see miss taylor she asked us would we pick out suthin we liked and bring it to the class and then she said we'd talk about it and she'd tell us all she could so you see we have to have city papers cause you know there ain't nothing in the nassau paper worth taking in i could not help laughing at this youngster's disparaging criticism upon our enterprising weekly well what do you find that is worth talking over i asked curious to know what this novel method of teaching brought forth well you see sir we can't any of us make head nor tail out of a good deal that's in the papers but some things we can get hold of enough to talk about you know sir that a fellow has to know something afore he can take in what is told to him i think it is like you have to have a standing place when you are going to tackle any kind of a job so you see we don't get into the big pieces yet but pick out some of the bits that we find in the corners last time i found this and joe fumbled in his pockets shifting his papers from one arm to another until he brought out a rumpled bit of paper which he handed to me it was a scrap entitled something for boys to remember 
being one of those bits of advice to boys which fill up the odd spaces in the paper and which seldom find readers and perhaps it was only because joe stone must find something that he clipped it from his paper well i said that is good but what did miss taylor say about it why she said there was never anything truer than them words she says it is the man or boy that drives right along that succeeds and that laziness makes half the villains in the world that it is because so many people want to live without honestly working for a living that makes them cheats and liars and thieves and i guess she's right and so you mean to make a man of yourself i said at the corner where his path led one way and mine another and joe answered with a beaming look well maybe and how about the rest of your class oh they all brought something some of them were real cute dan baker he's the sort of a fellow as always says what's the use but he brought in something i didn't suppose he would but he likes miss taylor first rate i expect he will keep on coming i noticed that the boy hesitated as if he had something more to say and at last it came out miss taylor told us about savings banks and i've got sixty cents saved up toward my dollar have you well that's good i'm glad you've made a beginning then we said good-night and he ran off with a springy step born i'm sure of that sixty cents and the prospect of a bank account well i don't know but eunice has started out right once get them upon the upward grade with a hope before them and there's little fear of their falling back into old ways the glow of an ambition is already lighting up that boy's face and he will never have a dollar which will be worth half so much to him as the first savings bank investment it is a first step toward the development of that boy's capacities if una can get a hold upon their hearts and kindle in their brains a flame of ambition and light up their future with hopes it will be a great work even this is worth all the money and care expended now if only she could lead them higher if she could inspire them with the very highest of all aspirations if she would come herself to the fountain strange that the daughter of such a father should stop short of the crowning glory of a woman's life the love of christ shining out softening the sharp angles of her character is all she needs to make her a very queen among women fit to rank beside my own peerless eleanor poor eleanor i am sorry for her dr mason with his insuperable decrees has laid a shadow across her path which i have been unable to lift i am so dull and uncompanionable nowadays that i have no doubt she finds me a stupid fellow to have around and i do not wonder that she sighs for the delights of new york una runs over almost every day and lights up the old house she is becoming almost a necessity to eleanor i presume that the two are even now puzzling over the last new stitch as described in the bazaar well i am glad that the two are good friends eleanor is sometimes a little sarcastic but una seems not to mind it half as much as she does my frowns there i forgot i meant to ask eleanor to go down to the hall with me to-morrow morning and put some of her work upon the blackboard i want to illustrate my lessons by means of some diagrams and neither una nor myself have the skill to sketch a three-legged stool but my wife is something of an artist and if i can persuade her to work in cheap crayons 
i shall have made an advance in the direction in which i am anxious to move as to my own evening class they puzzle me i didn't begin like una by plunging into business calculations but we were about as informal and rambling that first evening as we could well be i said now if we are going to meet together regularly let's get acquainted as soon as we can i shall have a great many things to tell you and i expect that you will have a great many to tell me i shall want to know what you do with what i teach you and you will have to be looking out for chances to use the knowledge you gain for the good of others so you see while i teach you you will be teaching me and we shall all in turn be able to help somebody else do you see they hung their heads and looked as shy and awkward as it was possible for uncultured girls of twelve years to look but one of them ventured to raise her eyes to mine and i said what is it nothing only i don't think we could teach you much don't you well we shall see a vase of spring flowers stood on the table near us and as we talked i had taken the vase in my hand and turning it around to admire the dainty blossoms i said i wonder where these came from oh i can tell you said the girl who had already spoken and whose name was emma cole i found them over on the hills and gave them to miss taylor and she fixed em up i think they are real pretty so they are can you tell me the names of them now i am fond of flowers but i can never remember the names of even the commonest ones emma's face was a study the idea that any one should be so deplorably ignorant as not to know the names of the simple flowers which were as familiar as greek roots to a college professor why don't you know that is the mayflower we always get them in the spring they grow over on the hill i think that is the only place around here where you can find them the way i learnt about them was a lady an artist they call her one that paints pictures you know came out from the city one spring and she came to get these flowers she said somebody telled her as how they growed out on the hills and she wanted some to make pictures of and i went with her to show her and she telled me lots about flowers i wish i could remember it all but i never forgot the name cause the lady herself looked like a mayflower all at once emma became conscious that she was talking considerably and drew back blushing well i said i am very much obliged to you for telling me about these flowers you see you have taught me something before i have even begun my lesson and now i will tell you about these mayflowers why they are named so and then we will study these cards which i have brought thereupon i gave them a lesson in history telling them the story of the pilgrims and the mayflower making it as much of a story and as little of a history as i could we all grew eager and absorbed in it and one of my little girls drawing a long breath exclaimed oh wasn't it awful to lose all one's friends and cross the ocean i couldn't do it ever no way could i resist the impulse to tell them another story the story of him who left home and the host of shining angels to enter upon a life of sorrow and meet a death that was beyond the starvation and the savage butchery of the indians in suffering and ignominy so beginning with the grand old chorus of the angels and ending with that resurrection morning i rehearsed the old story 
and at the close one of the class hattie stone said i like that last story best don't you girls now i said i have told you this story because it concerns you and me it is to help you to grow into the likeness of this friend that we have begun these classes it should be the end of all our living to get ready to live with him and the more we learn the better we shall be fitted for it let us always have first in mind and heart this thought that we belong to christ and are to do all our work and all our study for his honour i knew or thought i knew that i was getting beyond their depth but i did not know how to do any better but that some idea had entered their heads was evident from the question of hattie stone do you mean that the christ you say we should work for is the same christ they preach about on sundays i never heard them much of a sunday but i have heard em talk at funerals i mean the same one and do you mean that if we get the lessons you give us and do our work all honest at the factory that it will make a difference to him yes i mean that well said hattie i like that it is nice to think that somebody cares hattie settled back into her seat and betook herself to the study of some cards which i had brought having ascertained that all my class could read a little we made arrangements for the next evening's lessons and then it was time to close i am not sure that i am not making a failure some way i cannot make an altogether secular thing of it i cannot rid myself of the impression that their souls need my first care and while i know una is wise in leading her boys by natural and easy steps up to a higher plane i cannot help longing to lift my girls at once out of the darkness and set them upon the sure foundation i do know of my own experience that all knowledge seems clearer when viewed in the light of christian faith and this is why i want to begin with giving them some knowledge of the truth my mind is full of schemes i have already made arrangements to open lunch rooms we shall for the present have coffee and sandwiches with perhaps pie and doughnut and later as the warm weather comes on we shall have ice cream and very likely fruits i have written to romaine to find some person who understands the cream business who will come out for a time but i have in mind a suitable person to take charge of the whole concern after a little training it is a widow who is not strong enough for factory work and who seems a nice sort of a person and would i think be glad to get a chance to do something toward supporting herself not that i imagine that the business will be very profitable at first but it may work into something then to go farther there is the project of keeping the hall open as a reading-room but perhaps it will be best to wait until fall for that it may not do to run too many new ideas at once all this time mother looks on curiously while eleanor prophesies that we shall come to naught perhaps so but we shall have tried to do something and i cannot think that our efforts will fall to the ground utterly worthless End of chapter 13